You're listening to the Greek's Gridiron, live with Ethan Haristadoulou. Welcome back, everybody, to more of the Greek's Gridiron. I am Ethan Haristadoulou, and today I am continuing on with my offensive power ranking series as I dive through each and every single one of the eight divisions in the NFL, ranking the teams within their division from fourth to first. And today I'm focusing on none other than the AFC East, a division that could have a lot of promise, but could also find that they probably have a lot more bumps in the road than they may realize. You have a Jets team that has a lot to look forward to this season, a Patriots team that that actually comes into the season with an offensive coordinator this time around. And then you also have the Bills and the Dolphins, a Dolphins team that looked like they were Surely bound for the playoffs and could be a legit Super Bowl contender until we had injuries with Tua Tagovailoa that ultimately turned out to be, I think, like three concussions altogether by the time the season wrapped up. And then you have the Bills who just kind of seem to be falling just short of their expectations each and every single year and are kind of in a position where it seems like they must win and they must win now. So there's a lot to look at with this AFC East division, a lot to discuss. So make sure you dive into that comment section down below. Let me know your thoughts and opinions of course on my rankings give me your rankings and just fire away thoughts on these four teams some pros some cons that you see from these teams going into this year I would love to hear all of your thoughts and opinions but without further ado diving into my number four team in the AFC East and I will say this there was a little bit of consideration for having maybe another team in this spot but I feel like the they are kind of a clear-cut favorite and that is going to be the New England Patriots and the biggest reason for that is mainly just to do with I have so many more questions than I have answers about this team that I really can't justify putting them any higher. I do feel like there's a possibility they do end up being a little bit better than some people anticipate, especially if they wind up bringing in a certain receiver, and we'll talk about him in a second, but... I do think right now, bringing in offensive coordinator Bill O'Brien is a massive plus. He's a guy who's already been in the organization, so he's already been ingrained in the Patriots uh, the Patriots way. He was there from, I believe, 07 to 2011, uh, and maybe even longer than that. But for the most part, he was working with the quarterbacks for a while. He had some time in the wide receiver room. He was OC in 2011, where he led a very dominant two-tight end style offense. And that's kind of what I'm expecting to see him deploy with the Patriots this year when you look back at 2011 and you see the production that Gronk and Hernandez had a combined 2,000 near 300 yards and 25 total touchdowns between the two we are talking monster numbers from the tight end position and the way they kind of have their offense structured right now you have a ton of wide receivers and you're not necessarily sure who is going to really stand out you have of course the addition of Juju Smith-Schuster and losing Jacoby Myers and there's a few other guys and we'll talk about them in a second because I do have some questions about that but then you have two tight ends, a guy in Mike Gusecki you went and got this offseason who was a real like receiving tight end. And then you have, of course, Hunter Henry, a guy that you brought in a couple of off seasons ago who was supposed to be kind of like your big ticket tight end in the initial iteration of what was what felt like kind of a reforming of that two tight end style when they brought in both Hunter Henry and the now departed John U. Smith from the team. But at the very least, you have to assume this offense gets better. And then you look at 
the wide receivers, as I kind of just briefly mentioned here. Like I said, you bring in Juju Smith-Schuster after losing Jacoby Myers in free agency. Uh, some would say that's an upgrade, but you could also say that it's kind of like a 50-50 a split because, yeah, maybe Juju Smith-Schuster is more athletically talented as a player and maybe even as a more talented wide receiver, but Jacoby Myers already knew the system and he already, you know, he's been there for a while. He grew up as an undrafted guy in that system there, so you lose the experience and gain maybe potentially more talent. Then, of course, the rest of the wide receiver room you're looking at. Kendrick Bourne, who looked good a couple of years ago and then found himself in like a weird doghouse situation with the Matt Patricia-led offense, and it was just a whole weird thing. If you're in the New England area, you know what I'm talking about. You heard the radio stations and TV stations talking about it all the time. You have a big body guy in Devontae Parker. You have a speedster in Tyquan Thornton, and you know, the jury's still kind of out on what he's going to ultimately be, and Devontae Parker's kind of like, if he can stay healthy, he could probably be a productive guy because he has been productive when he's stayed healthy. You have sixth round draft pick and LSU wide receiver Kayshawn Booty, who I think is a really interesting guy who could fit in and maybe surprise a few people with just how good of a receiver he is out of the gates. And then the big question mark, you have all of these guys. You don't necessarily know who like that legit number one is going to be. I think that this offense goes from here to here. If you get DeAndre Hopkins, someone that they've been kind of courting now for the last few weeks, they brought him in for a visit now, I think a couple of weeks ago at this point. There are so many questions between the wide receiver room and how is it going to exactly shake out? Does this offense look very reminiscent to what they were doing in 2011? And then what about Mac Jones too? You know, how does he look? He had a promising rookie campaign. And then, you know, you had the very just wild year with him last year going through the whole offensive system that they had going with Matt Patricia. You know, he started struggling a bit early. Then he has the high ankle sprain. He misses some time. He comes back in that Bears game, gets benched in the Bears game for Bailey Zappi, the whole Zappy Mania starts around here. He comes back in eventually once he's good to go. And then he just kind of, you know, struggles his way to find his footing in what was, again, a very just disorganized offense. You have so many questions as to what Mac Jones are we getting this year? What does this offense end up looking like? Who are the legit guys as skill talent and receiving talent in this group? I feel like the only sure thing I have with this team is running back Ramondre Stevenson. And with that many questions that I just threw at you all and just uncertainties, I got to go with them at number four. In the number three spot, we have the New York Jets. This is one where I was considering maybe having them one spot higher, but then I kind of fell into the same situation that I had with the Patriots, where, you know, the more I looked at them and just what I've thought about their production from certain players last year and some of the people they've brought in and just the amount of changeover we're seeing with the offense, both with a new offensive coordinator as Nathaniel Hackett has come in now after losing his job in Denver, Again, you kind of come down to there's a lot of questions that we need answers to, and there's just a lot of turnover. And with all that turnover and with all these questions and people returning from injury and what have you, I kind of fell in that same boat. But I do trust the overall talent of the Jets' offensive side of the roster more than I do the Patriots, hence why I have them at the number three spot. One of my bigger questions and one that I think is going to be really important for this team here is going to be running back Brees Hall and just how quickly he can bounce back from his ACL slash meniscus tear that he suffered last year. It's unfortunate he went down with that injury because Brees Hall really looked like a guy who could maybe push for a potential offensive rookie of the year campaign. I mean, he finished with 99 touches, 680. 
81 yards and five scores, but it was like weeks four through seven where he really started to catch fire and became like the true heart and soul of the Jets offense. But then once he went down, the offense just kind of sputtered out and it did not really amount to too much after that. And it was just a really great defense that was keeping them alive in games. But he's returning from a, a very serious injury. You're talking, and, and maybe ACL's not as bad as it used to be, but it's ACL and meniscus. It's a lot of knee stuff going on there that you have to come back from. And I would assume that leads to maybe a little bit of a slower start for him. And maybe he starts to look better and better and more comfortable down the stretch of the season. So the offense doesn't get as much of a impressive running game as they might have had would he be healthy and then of course you know you saw what the running game kind of looked like minus Brees Hall it was not nearly as explosive not nearly as threatening I mean they were cycling through guys like Michael Carter, Zonovan Knight, Ty Johnson, uh, Ty Johnson James Robinson he's not even on the team anymore so you're left with just a lot more questions than answers as far as the running back room is concerned and then the adjustment to Aaron Rodgers of course I mean obviously he is a Big upgrade over Zach Wilson. No slight to him, but I would say Aaron Rodgers is probably someone you take over Zach Wilson 100 times out of 100. Obviously, he's an upgrade, but he is moving from a new team, and I don't think you're always going to get just the plug-in MVP caliber quarterback and you're going to expect great results. We kind of saw it with Russell Wilson last year, but we've seen the other end of the spectrum, of course, with Tom Brady going to Tampa Bay and finding success literally in his first year winning a championship. You go a few years further back, Denver goes and picks up Peyton Manning after the Colts drop him. Took him a few years, but ultimately at the final season in Denver, came away with a championship, albeit wasn't necessarily the most impressive run for Manning, but they still found a title with him there, and he was really good during that time in Denver up until the tail end there. So I'm not going to sit here and say that it's not at all possible that Aaron Rodgers could just jump in and, you know, we just see him start gunslinging like he does, and he's slicing and dicing defenses. Very possible, but... I feel like the you kind of have like that window where I use like the like especially with Aaron Rodgers being as talented as he is you look at like what Manning had and what Brady had and you're probably going to get something somewhere in between where like I could see Rodgers stepping in being really good maybe it actually would take more than a year for him to reach like the actual peak of what he could do with this offense here in New York and I'd be curious to see if he stays longer than that because I would really like to see him hit the true ceiling he could with a really talented roster of guys especially when it comes to receivers I mean you have Garrett Wilson, of course, coming out off of his first rookie season. Phenomenal player. Really excited to see how he does in year two. Then, of course, you bring in Alan Lazard from Green Bay. Trusty old reliable Randall Cobb comes in, follows him as well. You bring in the speedster McCall Hardman from KC. There's a lot to be excited about, but there's just so much turnover with this roster. Again, a lot of questions. Not as many as the Patriots, but I am looking for a lot of answers, and it's more so a, we're just going to have to see it. And I'm going to need to see the proof in the pudding before I can just hammer the table and shout, Jets are the number one offense going into the AFC this year. There's a lot of variables. The potential is certainly there. I think like your floor is here, but your ceiling is also here. So there's a lot that you could get from this team. And it's just a matter of, does everything go well? Does it maybe start slow and pick up? Or does it end up being a disaster? I think all of those are there as a possibility. I'm going to err more on the side of it's going to be somewhere in the middle to more on the positive end, but I just kind of need to see it play out. But I do like the Jets at number three with like a very close number two consideration, I would say. Moving into the number two team, and this one might be a shocker for some of you all. It was even kind of a shocker for myself when I decided on this one here, but I'm going to drop it here. I'm going to go with the Bills. Buffalo Bills. 
in the number two spot. How on earth could they not be number one? I will get into the Dolphins at the number one spot in a second, but let's just discuss me placing the Bills here at number two. My very first concern, and this was something that we saw for a large majority of last season, is just the over-reliance on Josh Allen. I'm not going to sit here and doubt his ability or his skill set. He is one of my favorite players to watch in the NFL. I love watching him run. I love watching him throw. He is a game changer and a difference maker. But you saw what happened with his first season minus Brian Dayball now since he went to go coach in New York. And it was like turnovers aplenty. 27 to be exact on the year. He had 14 interceptions combined with 13 fumbles. He clearly had an issue with protecting the football. And I heard this conversation a lot. You know, he doesn't have Brian Dayball in his year to to kind of help him steer through like the rough currents of playing through NFL games. And you kind of saw with Daniel Jones, his turnover numbers went way down once he has Brian Dayball over there to kind of help him through those same type, types of situations. Whether that proves to actually be the case or not, we'll kind of find out in the second season without Brian Dayball being there. But I would like to see this offense not rely so much on Josh Allen. Obviously, you have him. He is your guy. He's your QB1, one of the best quarterbacks in the NFL. But help the guy out so it doesn't seem like he has to be Superman to be able to win football games and just throw everything on his shoulders. I think it would really benefit, especially his play style, which can be reckless, but he still gets the job done even being reckless. And it's exciting. It's really fun. Again, I love watching him play. One of my favorite styles of, of any sort of quarterback to watch. Very unique in what he does. But I would like to see some more offensive balance. And that, of course, starts with the running game. We have got to see this running back room help Josh Allen out. I can't even tell you the amount of times I feel like I'm looking at stat sheets and it's Josh Allen who's leading the Buffalo Bills in rushing every single year when that shouldn't be the case. He's talented enough with his arm that he should be leading with his arm and you should be able to rely on a running back room to help guide him in the running game rather than, okay, we're just going to keep designing these runs up for Josh Allen. I know he's a big guy. I know he can take a beating, but you don't want to have to do that. I want to see that running room that has nine Hines, Devin Singletary, you have James Cook there. One of those guys should be pushing towards a thousand yards rushing. It should not be Josh Allen's your number two rusher with 700 yards. And I think the year prior, he was their leading rusher by a decent amount. But I want to see them get a solid ground game going behind him. And we kind of saw it come on a bit last year later in the season. But I want to see a full 17 slate of games where Josh Allen can do his thing, you know, pull off a big run here or there, a big highlight. Everyone loves to see it. But your running game should be going through your running backs and allowing Josh Allen with the talented arm that he has to be able to do what he can do with the ball in his hand and he's throwing, not necessarily running all the time. I want to see a more balanced attack and I really think it would help out this offense. Another question that I do have about this team, and it basically has to do with just uh, some drama that we're hearing about. And then also on top of that, what we saw from them in the draft, uh, as far as the drama goes, I'm really just curious as to how big of a deal this whole Stefan Diggs thing is right now. Obviously, there was a lot of conversation about him showing up to OTAs and then leaving. Uh, and then that was, you know, we the comments that we were getting from Sean McDermott as well, a little bit unsettling. And then you have Josh Allen come out yesterday and he says that, you know, the media is just overblowing it all. And he blames them more than anyone for this being as big of a deal as it is. I'm just curious, is that really the case or is it not? 
We'll just have to wait and see. I'm not going to sit here and speculate or make assumptions. I'm not in the Buffalo Bills building. So I feel like if I'm not there, who am I to make assumptions? And I think that goes for a lot of other people that are pushing this story. If you're not actively in that team, I know you can sit there and sources, 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 but... I, I would like to actually see what happens this season before I go, yeah, man, you know, this is clearly starting to become an issue. I, I you know, I really like the, the Stefan Diggs, Josh Allen connection. I think it is one of the more exciting in the league. And I think bringing in Stefan Diggs was huge for this Bills offense and for it to end up going south and lose him, I think would really hurt this team. The other thing that I'm questioning about, uh, questioning or not questioning, but just have questions about is how does this offense function now that we have the incumbent tight end from Utah, Dalton Kincaid, coming in? That's a really exciting addition, in my opinion, for this Bills team. You obviously have Dawson Knox, who just last September signed that four-year, $52 million extension. So he's not going anywhere. But you bring in Dalton Kincaid, who is like a super athlete at the tight end position, and he just brings a lot of questions now because are you going to gear this offense more towards a two tight end set which means do we maybe see a lot more efficient running from this group since we're going to see heavier sets of plays i would be very very intrigued to see buffalo come out and really just stick to like their guns of gabriel davis and stefan diggs as the wide receivers you probably see the most and then you guys have guys like you know khalil shakir and and the rest of company behind them but i would love to see like two wide receivers, two tight end sets, because again, you have a really talented tight end now that has all the athleticism in the world that I think Josh Allen could really take advantage of and running a heavier set type of offense with a more run, a style that's more geared towards playing in somewhere like Buffalo ground and pound, but you've got a big armed quarterback who can kill the opposing defense if he needs to. That's exactly what I would like to see from this team. And I think that kind of molds into my balance thing as well is, you know, let's gear the offense to be more Buffalo friendly, where you're getting crazier weather, higher winds, snow, all that stuff. I would like to see this offense get molded. And I think all the talents there it just has to be done. But I still love this Buffalo Bills offense. I have them at number two for a good reason, and I don't think that they could be any lower than this, to be honest with you. And then, of course, at the number one spot, I have the Miami Dolphins. So anyone that's sitting here still going, so what the hell are the Dolphins doing that? Do you think that they should be over the Buffalo Bills? Well, here is how I look at this. When you look at last season, obviously, this could be the way I see it, the ceiling for this team is number one, but the floor could also be number four. And it really comes down to if Tua is healthy or not. That's basically how I look at this. The three concussions last season are obviously very concerning, and it really makes me worry about him as a whole. But if he's comfortable with playing, we'll just have to hope for the best for him. And I really do. I hope that the concussions we saw from him last year are the end of that whole issue. But the Dolphins were eight and four in games that he finished. And I want to emphasize that finish there. They were technically eight and five with him as a starter, but they were eight and four in the games that he finished. You look at the offense while he was in there. I believe he had six games where he went over multiple touchdown passes in a game or no, excuse me. Uh, he had four games, I believe, where he went over three or more touchdowns. Maybe it was five. I should have wrote the number down. But a fair amount there. On top of that, the offense scored 29 or more points six times while he was under center. And the team was one and three without him. One and four, if you include that game where he was knocked out with the Bills, or one and five, if you include him not playing in that playoff game. I really think that this offense kind of 
will be dictated on if Tua is healthy or not and just how explosive it can be. Because I do believe that Tua is very accurate and I don't have as many concerns about Tua, the player and quarterback, injuries aside, as I feel like some other people have. They did an excellent job surrounding him with amazing talent as receivers. When you look at the wide receiver corps, of course, Tyreek Hill and Jalen Waddle, two guys that could literally outpace just about any wide receiver group in the NFL. And then in guys in terms of depth, you obviously have Cedric Wilson, a guy that I really like who I think is a bit underrated, but an excellent third or fourth wide receiver. However, the depth chart ends up shaking out. And then you have newly acquired chosen or Robbie Anderson, whatever he goes by right now. But again, I don't think a bad option for your like number three or four wide receiver spot, depending on how this whole depth chart shakes out I think you have a ton of skill talent tight end is obviously a little bit of a question now since you don't have Mike Gusecki but I know that some Dolphins fans think he you know he dropped the football too much anyway so not too much of a loss and you can kind of wash your hands of him I know other people that really liked him so I, I feel like that's like a 50 50 there whatever side you lean on but overall in terms of just the passing offense it's exciting it really just comes down to the running game being a little bit better the Dolphins averaged about 99 yards a game last season in the run game, and I think Mike McDaniel got so much praise for what he did in San Francisco as the guy who was dictating the run game. That has to improve. And you couple that with the fact that he has guys like Raheem Mostert and Jeff Wilson, two guys that he did really nice things with in San Francisco. Obviously, they're there for now a full season with Jeff Wilson. So I'm expecting to see the run game pick up a little bit more. And if you have the passing attack that the Dolphins were flexing when Tua was healthy and things were rolling, and that even if they just get to, say, the top half of the league, and we're talking like anywhere from 16 to 10, you don't even have to be a top 10 rushing attack. If you're just somewhere within like that 16 to 10, where you have to force defenses to be a little bit more honest and bring someone a little bit closer, maybe an extra guy in the box, that just opens things up even wider for Tyreek Hill and Jalen Waddell, who are going to clearly kill some defenses this year if all goes well. You push the running backs in this running back room just a little bit further, and again, you get in that top half, you are talking a very serious offense from top to bottom. And that's not even including rookie running back Devin, Ashe uh, I believe it's a chain or a Shane, one of those two correct me on that spell on that uh, pronunciation, please. He had 1100 yards last season, 200 through the air as well. He had 11 touchdowns total. This is going to be a very exciting running back room to really see play out again. You have Jeff Wilson now who's been in for a full offseason with this group here. He came in during that trade deadline last year. You bring in the rookie running back. You have Raheem Mostert, kind of your old reliable of the running back room. And I think that this offense is really poised for an explosive year. But it really just comes down to can Tua stay healthy. If he can stay healthy, I really believe in what they have offensively over there in Miami. I really think that if Tua's healthy, we see a team that maybe sits at just four, five losses at worst in the Miami Dolphins. They probably knock off the Bills in that first playoff game. The game was, look how close it was, minus Tua. Who knows where the Dolphins go last season if Tua's not knocked out multiple times throughout the season. I hope he stays healthy, and I hope he's good to go, and he can play a full 17 games, and he's back to doing his thing the way he normally is because he's an accurate quarterback. He can make all the throws. And he has the talent around him to be successful and lead a really good offense this year. Hence why I have the Dolphins ranked number one. But those are my power rankings for the AFC East. Again, let me know your thoughts and opinions. Give me your power rankings in the comment section down below. But that is it for me. I appreciate you if you made it to the end of the video. I will see you all next time. Have a good one.